Welcome to Winchester Vineyard Church Podcast Extras with me, Nigel. We've started a new series uh, in May 2021. It's called Follow Me, and it's all about exploring the commands of Jesus. And for this series, as well as our Sunday talks, which come out each week, we wanted to add some audio-only podcast extras. We wanted to give people a chance to be interviewed or just to tell stories um, or add some extra material, some extra information that goes along with the talks that we've been giving. Now, Paul Phillips is part of our team, and he gave the first two talks. Um, in May, the introduction to the whole series about follow about what it is to follow Jesus, and then very specifically uh, a talk called "How to Love My Enemies" or "How to Forgive Others." And all Paul talked about forgiveness, and this talk came out on Sunday, the thirtieth of May. And if you've listened to that, then this podcast kind of supports that. I mean, you'll get something out of listening to this anyway, but you might really benefit from listening to the other talk first, um, and then this one kind of follows it up. And so. What I've done is I've interviewed Paul this afternoon um, and I've asked him a few extra questions and I've asked him to tell a couple of extra stories and you'll get a bit more of an insight into some of Paul's background, some of the interesting things that happened in his life. Um, He talks about forgiveness. He talks about what happens when uh, a man came up to him, put his finger in his chest and said, another time, another place, I would kill you. And that guy meant it. And so if you stay listening, you'll be able to hear uh, my interview with Paul uh, and just catch up on some of those extra stories. I'll be back at the end. So firstly, thank you for your talk. Um, In fact, thank you for both of the talks that you've done in the last couple of weeks. Perhaps we can start off by just, um, can you say something about the series that we're doing, the series Follow Me, uh, looking at the commands of Jesus. Why are we doing that? What's the thinking behind that series and what we're trying to sort of get out of that and learn from it as a church community? Right, well, just a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, I think the reason why we're doing this series about following Jesus and kind of following his commandments is partly because if you say that you're going to be following somebody if you, and you're trying to live your life like this person, it kind of helps to know what they actually said. And I think there's also a number of verses, um, a well-known verse right at the end of Matthew. Jesus kind of says, you know, I've got this authority. I'm releasing you disciples to go out into the world and to make disciples and to teach them everything I commanded you. And so that kind of includes us. As we say we're disciples, we're followers of Jesus, we're meant to be following these commands. And it's pretty difficult to follow something if you don't know what those commands actually are. And it's just kind of a hypothetical thing. I follow Jesus, I follow his commands. So helping us to kind of pin down what that means, what are those actual commands, let alone what it looks like. And there's some other verses in John 14, 15 and John 14, verse 21, which roughly say the same thing, saying, if you, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you obey my commands. And again, you know, we'd say as followers of Jesus, we love you, Jesus, you know, and we sing worship songs and he's going, that's great. But another aspect of worship, another way that looks like is obeying my commands. And again, it's like anything. It's hard to obey something, to rearrange your life around something if you don't actually know what they are. So it's really just taking the time just to slow down and think, what are some of those commands? And then what does that look like in our life? So that's kind of why we're doing this series. Brilliant. And you and I had a great conversation, didn't we, around that the language of obey my commands and how if you take that out of the context that you, you've just 
introduced that and you said the context is if you love me, you will obey or keep or observe my yeah. commands. But if you lift out that first bit, the if you love me bit, it sounds like what Jesus is just saying is obey my commands, which sounds very authoritarian, very sort of disciplinary and perhaps um, doesn't give quite an accurate mm picture of of what Jesus is really saying there um, and we had a, you and I had quite a long conversation about that and then you covered that this Sunday because you talked a little bit about love mm. and about uh, the different words for love and um, you know particularly agape love um, uh, and how the context for this whole conversation is basically love the love of God to us the love of us mm. to God um, which is brilliant so um in the talk last Sunday, you talk, you were talking then really specifically about forgiveness mm -hmm. and about the, the real sort of countercultural challenge that Jesus gives us to really to love our enemies and to forgive those who've hurt us. And uh, you talked about um, your own life and you talked about growing up in a, a, a different country in Colombia yeah. and also about working in a couple of other countries um, you talked about working in Lebanon and you, you, you talked about first-hand experience of seeing what happens when people don't forgive one another. You talked about um, Palestinian refugees, for example, in Lebanon. And I just wondered, that sounds really interesting. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about what that was like, seeing some of these things firsthand. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Lebanon is the most, and I can't remember if I said this in this talk, but it's the most divided country I've ever seen and uh, when I talk about hate it's not maybe the classic scenario that you'd think of just maybe Christians and Muslims and Palestinians and uh, Israelis it was kind of like everybody hating each other you know there was a civil war I think it was 1975 to 1991 roughly sorry if my historical facts are not totally accurate but it had gone on a period of time and it just kind of created hate they just kind of kept records of what somebody else had done and um, I remember one situation where um, the um, some of the people down south kind of controlled by the Hezbollah which is just most people say is a terrorist organization they used to have the stars of David on on the floor and I kind of went and I kind of thought why is this and it'd say so that when we walk in and out of our house we can just wipe our feet in it there was that kind of much hate then on the flip side, the Israelis would sometimes just fly over and break a sonic boom to shatter everybody's windows in southern Lebanon. Wow. And you'd kind of like go, you know, how petty, you know, that there's just this kind of hate and distrust and, and kind of just lumping everybody together. It's like, you're this. One of the things I think was radically different was coming in as a, as a Westerner is who was kind of like, look at me as an individual. And um, rather than kind of lumping me together because of my nationality or my, my faith belief, one of the things I used to love when people came to visit me was um, we lived in an area called Brojabrajne and it was kind of controlled by the Hezbollah and there was a Palestinian refugee camp. And inevitably, somebody would fall ill. Because, you know, it's like when you go to a country... And, uh, you know, just eat something that doesn't, um, you know, your stomach doesn't approve of. And so they'd be sick. And so I'd kind of take them to a doctor and this person would kind of look after them. And they'd go, oh, that's great. And, um, and they would want to thank them. And they'd see one of these things like you often find in shops in the UK where you can just put money in. And they'd say, oh, what's this for? And I said, oh, it's to help people like this doctor. And they, and they would ask more questions. And... Um, 
I'd go, oh, they're Hezbollah. And there'd be a shock. And I'd go, everything here, any dentist you'd see, any doctor you'd see is Hezbollah. And it kind of just blew their mind because it would automatically put this person into a kind of compartment. But when they actually saw this person, this is the kind of person that is the same as all of us. They have their fears. You know, when you talk with them, you get away from the kind of the, the hatred and the history. You know, they're worried about their children. You know, what's going to happen to the children when they're going to grow up? Are they, are they going to have peace? Are they going to have education? And so I kind of saw the the dynamics that happens when you allow kind of hate and history to kind of blur your vision rather than seeing the person in front of you as somebody who is made in the image of God that has purpose and and God wants to do something in their in their life. Hmm. So I'm not sure that's exactly what you were asking, but no, it's fascinating. It sounds like you've seen some fascinating things. Do, do you feel like I know that? I mean, how long were you there for? You were there for few years weren't you? I was in Lebanon a couple of years and right. about nine years in Egypt. Right and do you feel like you were able to see the kind of love and forgiveness that Jesus was talking about have an impact? So you've talked about changing culture by living the way that Jesus did and, and how to choose to forgive people. You, you talked about how forgiveness is first and foremost for ourselves and to stop us from becoming prisoners to the stuff that's enslaving us but you also talks about changing culture. Have you have you seen it change culture where you are? Yeah, I think partly when you just kind of reach out and you just kind of show love. You see, as a Westerner, as a British person, you know, working in a place like that, it, it kind of blew their minds. I mean, for that, you know, it's not the normal place that you'd go. And let alone people would go, oh, you went and your family stayed in the, the UK. And you're like, no, 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 no. I went with my wife and I brought along my my, at that time, Hannah, who was just one years old. Uh, and so it, I wouldn't say I saw radical change, but you began just to, in some ways, change their mindset. And, and, and any culture change starts on that level. You know, culture doesn't suddenly change. They wake up and one day culture changes. Mm. It's to do with beginning to change the way that they perceive things, that begins to change your values, and then ultimately that begins to see your culture change. And so they, in a very simple way, as just one of you know a few people working at place as they kind of saw us and thinking okay well you're all right and you respect us and you love our culture and you love our food and you're willing to you know learn our language and particularly for arabs you know the arabic is a language of god so will and they know it's not easy you know they always say arabic is a great language but it's really hard for westerners to learn and so when you do very simple things you know yes there is kind of we worked in some of the refugee camps but sometimes it was just the simple of sticking around when the sun is stink, stinking hot it is dusty everybody else is trying to get out of the country and you're staying there that kind of impacts them and that begins to open them and their families and then they begin to meet and then they realize that actually you are got the same worries and concerns. The same journey I went on in relation to Hezbollah, and I used to, I often joke, I trained with the Hamas football team, mm. but I couldn't play, um, play for them because I, I didn't agree with their, some of their, their, their policies and views, so I wasn't willing to become a card-carrying member of Hamas. Right. But behind the kind of the big beards, you know, I met people, and behind me, because, you know, for them a big beard is kind of like you're religious and you're devout, but they could look behind that and see my heart. Yeah then they began to change as well as me changing as well. Fascinating. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, I know that you have some uh, a story, that, or at least one story that you wanted to share that you didn't get time to speak about. So why don't you hit us with that? 
Yeah, well, if you listen to the talk, I, I just talk about those verses in kind of Matthew 5 where it talks about, you know, loving our enemies and praying for our enemies. And I mentioned that in some of the other parts of the Bible, it talks about blessing our enemies. And it's like everything, you know, it's easy to kind of quote the verse and, and well, that one is a bit harder to quote and just, you know, you wrestle with it. But I remember I, I used to live in Alexandria and there was a toy shop there. And you've got to remember, I have four children, they're all quite young. So you want to find a good toy shop. And that's easier said than done in a, in a place like Alexandria. So I kind of heard about this place and I thought, okay, they seem to have the best kind of toys and they're not going to fall apart in quality. But everybody said to me, don't go there. Uh, they're what they call Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, just imagine just the biggest beers you can imagine and... Uh, and they're like, don't go there. They hate people like you. And at that time, there'd been quite a lot of tension. It was kind of near the revolution time, if you can remember, in, uh, in 20, near 2011. But, you know, I got four kids and I loved them. And I hate buying things that just fall apart within a few weeks. So I remember I went into this um, shop in the morning. I kind of just walked in and this man just walked up to me straight away, stuck his finger in my chest and pressed it. And he said, another time, another place, I will kill you. Wow. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, uh, so those who don't know, I used to teach marketing, and I'm thinking, that's not a great marketing strategy. <laughs> you know, that's not the kind of way you're going to keep people coming back. And so we had a little chit-chat, you know, and I looked around the store, and, and I kind of went home, and I, I just kind of pondered that. Because, you know, I have been places before where I'm aware that I'm not, let's say, the, the kind of cup of tea, you know, and um, but nobody had ever said that to me, and so I just... Like anything, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I just kind of ponder the day and just reflect with God. And I was thinking, I say I'm a follower of Jesus. What does that mean and look like? And I felt like I was reminded of these verses. And so I don't know what you would have done in that scenario. Somebody came up to you and stuck his finger in your chest, said another time, another place. But I felt for me, I needed to go back and do something and bless him. So the next day I went back to this shop and this guy there, he was actually called Mohammed. And um, he wasn't there, and I'm like, where's Mohammed? And they kind of seen, the rest of the shop assistants have seen this. And they're kind of like, you know, are you crazy? Are you mad? And uh, I mean, this guy was for real. I, I discovered, I didn't know this at the time, but he'd been expelled from the States from trying to pl plant a bomb. Wow. And um, so he kind of came in, this Mohammed, and I think he was shocked. He thought, you know, like, oh, he's not going to come back again. I'll put him off. And, you know, and I said, hey, Mohammed, you know, yesterday you said to me, another time, another place, I'd kill you. And he was going to like, uh, 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 and, you know, he's just going to slightly lost for words. I don't know, he's just taken back. And I said, I'm now underneath an obligation. You see, I told you yesterday that I followed Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, that you're to love your enemies and that you're to bless them. So I said, now I'm obliged as a follower of Jesus. I really mean that I need to help you. I need to bless you. Now I'm going to pray for you, but I want to bless you. How can I bless you? And he's like, no, I'm okay. You know, it's just... So, you know, kind of totally on the back foot. And I wasn't trying to get him on the back foot. That wasn't my aim. And so I'm very aware that unlike in the UK where we have the NHS, where we have free education, you don't get that in Egypt. So I know that's likely to be his situation. So you kind of help him out. I'm going, look, how can I bless you? You know, are your children, are they in school? Can I pay for them to go through schooling? Have you got anybody uh, sick in your family? Firstly, I follow Jesus. So I'll pray for them. But I'm also happy to, you know, you know, pay for medical care. And so that kind of just wrecked his mind. And, uh, and I said, also, I want to help you out. Because in that time, the Muslim Brotherhood was trying to take what I'd call the political route. 
They were trying to get into power. They'd been banned for a number of years as a terrorist group within Egypt. And so I said, I want to, I want to bless you because, you know, the, Jesus, he used to hang around with people that tried to change society by using violet, violence, and they were called the zealots. And then there are those that try to change society by imposing strict laws, which is what the Muslim Brotherhood is known for. And I said, they were called the Pharisees. Then I said, there were those that were just trying to change it by doing politics, you know, and they were called the kind of the Sadducees. And I said, it didn't work. And I don't want you to waste your time and think that doesn't work. Only by following Jesus will you change things. And I want to bless you because I don't want to waste your time. And so we had a great conversation. And I love to say that, you know, all this happened and he changed his life. But I, I just kept going back now and then. And I've just had kind of a conversation with him because, and just say, hey, you know, since I last saw him, anything, you know, you sure there's no way I can help you? Is there anything more I can pray for you? And, and again, I wouldn't say going back to the early conversation, did his culture get changed? I don't know. Mm. But it certainly changed some aspect of his, his heart. Mm. He certainly fought, that's for sure. He never stuck his finger in my chest again and said, another time, another place, I'll kill you. Man, that must have taken some guts to, uh, to go back. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, people say that. I think, I don't know, it just seemed the most natural thing to do mm. in that kind of situation. And I think that's partly what I was talking about in one of my talks where as we rearrange our lives around Jesus, they become less that these are commands at something that is unusual. Mm. It's just a natural overflow of intimacy with, with God. Mm. And, okay, that's a good example. I'm sure there's, I, mean, I can give lots of examples where I've kind of held a grudge and I think sometimes I'm easier with big situations than when, you know, my kids would tell me if somebody cuts me up on a, on a motorway, I'm a lot less forgiving than I was with somebody <laughs> sticking a finger in my chest saying I will kill you. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> That's great. So actually, um, and I think there's something for all of us to take away. And um, if you are listening to this and uh, this has made you think, then if you haven't already listened to Paul's talk uh, at Winchester Vineyard last Sunday, uh, then I would encourage you to do that. That's the, um, the date on that is uh, the end of May. I think it's the 30th or 31st of May. Um, do check that talk out. In there, Paul also goes into, you know, what to do, how to, how to sort of practical steps, how to ask God to search your heart, how to ask God to give us the strength to forgive. Just you make a great point that forgiveness isn't something that we can do. It's something that God can do supernaturally and give us the strength or and also to remember the cross and in fact you lead us through communion um, as well which is so important in this because we can only do this on the basis of what God has done for us so when we've received his forgiveness we can give forgiveness so there's a lot of powerful stuff there is there anything else you want to say to encourage anybody who's listening um sorry I've put you on the spot with this one <laughs> no that's fine I think it's I think what you said is quite crucial because I was particularly aware with, with this in relation to some of the other commands. I think some of the other commands we kind of look at and we think, yeah, I can maybe do that, you know, like a command to be generous. We kind of look at that and think, yes, that's within my stretch zone. But to forgive is beyond the natural strength. And I think more than maybe some of the other commands that Jesus gives us, this really causes us to fall on God and say, God, I can't do that. There's no way it's the natural thing to do. And like I said in the talk, we talk about supernatural in many different ways. But I think this one is a particularly powerful way, but it only happens when we're drawing on the, the strength of God and, and what he's done and letting that affect us. And then it's an overflow of that. Brilliant.
Um, thank you so much to Paul for taking some extra time to chat to us and share some stories. As you can hear, he has had a really interesting life with some interesting experiences, but certainly different to my life experiences, uh, which inform uh, his preaching and his, his stories and actually the way he goes about does his life. Paul is one of the most impressive people I know. He doesn't just talk about this stuff. He really does it. He really lives it out. And uh, so I'm very grateful for him to, to him for sharing uh, with us. And if you haven't heard the talk that we were describing in this podcast, it's available at Winchester Vineyard uh, online. You can find it on our Facebook page. You can find it on our YouTube channel. It's from the service on Sunday, the 30th of May, uh, 2021. And it's uh, called How to Love Your Enemies, part of our Follow Me series. Um, The next talk is going to be coming out on Sunday, the 6th of June. um, And that's going to be called How to Live a Stress-Free Life. How to Live a Stress-Free Life. Again, looking at some of the commands of Jesus. And if you keep your ear to the ground, then we'll send out uh, a few podcast extras uh, from that one in the week after that as well. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for joining us. See you again soon. Thank you.